Bible or your electronic device. Lift it above your head. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life. One more time. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of 1 Samuel chapter number 2. We're going to start at verse number 27. Just want to highlight a thought and then we will move on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Bible declares, now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Now look at the charge against this, this priest, this man of God. God poses a question to him and he says, why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribe for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promise that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who, look at, God is serious about his honor. <laughs> he says, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me mm, will be disdained. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you for this opportunity to minister the word of God. I, I thank you that you've given me words to strengthen and encourage, as well as the challenge today. I ask you, God, to give me the fine mixture of both grace and truth to be able to properly edify your people on today. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says... So I want to start out um, this, this, and, and y'all just bear with me. Um, I'm going to start a little bit heavy today. It's going to get a little lighter at the end, but I'm going to start a little bit heavier uh, because I have to deal with some things that I see in the house, things that I see going on in the body of Christ. I read this phenomenal book called When People Are Big and God is Small by Edward T. Welch, and there's a particular story that he gives. I just want to uh, lift an excerpt out of this particular reading. He speaks about this girl named Sarah, and he says, Sarah was a three-sport star at one of the best colleges in the country. Not only that, she was the sophomore captain of all three teams, and she had just been named co-winner of the college's Best Female Athlete Award. With such ability and recognition, you would think that she was feeling pretty good about herself, but she was already worried about next year. The expectations of others were going to be even greater. How could she top what she had already accomplished? She said she wanted to be the best girlfriend, the best athlete, the best student. 
related a good friend. She wanted to quit one of her sports to alleviate some of the overwhelming stress in her life, but she was afraid to disappoint her teammates. Saying no to any friend was out of the question. She wanted to please everybody and couldn't stop. One person observed she could only think of one way out. Sarah took a 22 caliber rifle and shot herself in the chest. People had become Sarah's idol. This is the commentary of Welch. He says, people had become Sarah's idol. She needed their approval. She needed their friendship. She felt utterly suffocated by the possibility of disappointing them. The tragic reality was that Sarah was a slave to her idol of people pleasing. And tragedy often accompanies such slavery. Sarah saw no other way to freedom. Today, I want to deal with the dangers of being a people pleaser. The dangers of being a people pleaser. Um, This particular idea goes by different names, just depending on where you are in life. Um, If you're in elementary, junior high, it's called peer pressure. If you're sitting on the counselor's or the psychiatrist chair or couch is called codependency. Um, if you're being drilled by your pastor, it's called the fear of man. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's, it's people pleasing. And let me just pause for a moment. And it's not because there's some people that take this idea to an extreme where, in essence, they say, I don't care what nobody think about me. But the reality is that's, that's an extreme that we shouldn't go Two, because I, I do care about who and what people think about me. I care about what my daddy say about me. I care about what my wife says about me. I, I care what, what Yafrika Net Sonnet Edwards think about me. As the board president of EMCC, um, I, I am concerned about what she says. What some of you all's problem is, is your, your, your circle of concerned people is too large. You care about what everybody think about you. And then for some of you all whose circle is a little bit smaller, um, it's not a problem with trying to please people. The problem come in when your goal is to please people rather than pleasing God. Because you guaranteed to disappoint God if you're seeking to please people first. If you seek to please God first, there's a chance that you might please people but you guaranteed to disappoint God if your pursuit is to please people first. Are y'all with me in this place? Let's add some color, some definition to this idea of being a people pleaser. People pleasers are characterized by the intent to satisfy the desire of people rather than God. People pleasers are defined by the willingness to prioritize the feelings and expectations of other Because of the threat, watch this, number one, a physical harm and oppression. Number two, exposure and humiliation. Number three, rejection and ridicule. I'm going to read that again. It's defined as the willingness to prioritize the feelings and expectations of others because of the threat of physical harm or oppression. Number two, exposure and humiliation. Number three, rejection and ridicule. And many of us who fall into the category of people pleaser find ourselves in number three. We fear being rejected, ridiculed. In the scripture, the apostle Paul speaks to this in Galatians 1.10. He says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings 
or of God, or am I trying to please people? Now watch this phrase here. If I were still trying to please people, now that phrase blew me away, Pop, because a man of God who I look up to wrote over the two-thirds of the New Testament in this statement is confessing that there was a point in my ministry that I was striving to please people. He said that if I were still trying to please people, but he understands trying to please people, he says, I would not be a servant of, of Christ if I was still trying to please people. Pastor McGee, where you go with this? So we, we started a brand new series on last week, um, Living from a Place of Wholeness. And I put a definition of spiritual wholeness, what it was last week. If you could stick that on the screen. In essence, I said, being in a place of spiritual wholeness is a place where I am satisfied with who God is in my life, what he has in store for me, and his timing for the manifestation of those things that he has in store. It's a, somebody shout, it's a place. It's, it's, it's a place. And God has me in this vein of really encouraging the people to stay in the place because the devil is trying like Hades to get you out of the place because you are a better saint in the place. You are a better husband, a better wife. You are a better friend when you are, watch this. I don't deal with anxiety and fear and depression when I'm in the place. This, this place of where I'm satisfied with God all by myself. I'm satisfied with what he had. Look, I ain't trying to run your race. I'm not trying to be you. I'm not trying to compete against you. I'm satisfied. It doesn't mean that I'm eased in Zion. It doesn't mean that I'm complacent. No, I understand what God has for me, and I got a bulldog hold on what God has for me. It's a place of wholeness. This, this place of wholeness, uh, my focus is not even trying to get there because it's really easy to get there, but it's sometimes challenging to maintain this. Sometimes just simply repenting gets you here. Sometimes prayer gets you here. The presence of God gets you here. Confessing sins, asking for forgiveness, it gets you here. But staying here is what's challenging. And so for the next couple of weeks, what my intent is to highlight those things that draw you out of the place. And I want to deal with this idea of people pleasing. Now, this is a challenging subject because the, most of the people that need it think they don't. <laughs> this is a cute little sermon, Pastor. Look like you studied. I hope somebody gets something out of this. Another phenomenal resource that I've been reading by Karen, Karen Eman, or Eumann, however you pronounce that, called When Making Others Happy is Making You Miserable. And, and she highlights 20. I'm not going to read all 20. It's a test that she has. And I just want to read just some of the characteristics of people pleasers. Um, if you find yourself in the category, you ain't got to stand up. You ain't got to raise your hand. You ain't got to say, ouch. Just sit there cool and just act like it's your neighbor. I have trouble, number one, expressing my honest opinion when someone asks me what I think of their outfit, hair, or new shoes. So brothers, when your wife said, what you think about this? It look good. You look great. If I'm in a group deciding where to eat and the majority of the people have already weighed in in warning restaurant A, but I really want restaurant B, I will just go along with their choice rather than tell them the truth. 
Um, she goes on to say, I am hypersensitive to being corrected by others. I second guess myself when I start to wonder what someone else might think of my decision. I get uncomfortable even with the illusion of dissatisfaction from others. If you looked at my life, you would characterize me as someone who is overcommitted. When I meet someone new, I hope that after our encounter, the first encounter, they like me. I am being totally honest. If I am being totally honest, I have to admit that there are times I lie because I fear getting a negative re reaction from someone else. And so I say what I know they want to hear. She says boldly in one of the, one of the uh, chapters, she says, people pleasers are liars. Because of fear of losing the relationship, altering the relationship, they tell the person what they want to hear or withhold pertinent information, truthful information. She says that they're liars. I might want to speak up and say something that does not please a person with whom I am talking, but I am afraid of losing them as a friend. A person who knows me on a surface level would say I am extremely reliable and, help, and a helpful person. I thought that was really interesting. A person not knows me, but just knows me on a surface level because you bend over backward to help even folk you don't even know because you're so concerned about what everybody thinks about you. I have a strong desire for verbal praise, whether spoken or written digitally in an email, text message, or on social media. I say yes to some things that create more work for me rather than say no and risk disappointing or upsetting the person doing the asking. I give compliments I do not really mean. My desire to make others happy ends up making me at least slightly miserable. <laughs> she goes on to highlight what she calls um, the seven stop it statements for people pleasers. And I'm going to read just a couple of them because I want to show you how that in this place of, in this place of wholeness, how having the attitude of a people pleaser can draw you outside of that place. Because if I'm content with God, but I wander into a phase in my life where I can only have contentment with your satisfaction, in just a moment, I will step outside of my circle just to hear accolades from you. One of the statements, you don't need their permission to do God's will. Some people feel like they can't go ahead until... Their happiness is not your assignment. And some of you guys are driving yourself into an early grave because you've made a commitment that I'm going I'm to regulate their emotional state. You don't owe them an excuse for why you said no, but you will owe God an explanation for why you said yes. You can still say yes to the friendship while saying no to a friend. And for people pleasers, they get that confused. They feel as though that if I say no to her, she'll think that I'm saying no to the tenets of this relationship. And the reality is, whoo, some of you also are so busy trying to feed your own ego, self-esteem, value, self-worth, that you have stepped outside of the will of God and don't even know that you disconnected from God until the folk that you're trying to please finally let you down. Yeah. 
I believe that in this season, God is on purpose allowing people to disappoint you so you can realize just how empty. <laughs> Some of you all's relationships would be a lot more fruitful if you weren't a people pleaser because a people pleaser creates a toxic environment there that there is not truth. And where there, wherever there's tox toxic, wherever there is, wherever there are lies... We can never truly grow together in a healthy way. But just to keep the peace, you don't say. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is that you? They going to lie. <laughs> don't expect. They've been lying all this time. The folk, they ain't going to tell the truth to you today. <laughs> I, I, I want to highlight because, Pop, I was going somewhere else today, man. And I, I opened my Bible um, to, to Jeremiah, and I might preach that next week. And, and for whatever reason, I felt no peace about Jeremiah. It started taking me to Eli, and I'm like, I'm like, this don't fit. And you know how I am, Pop, when it comes to trying to make, reading something into the text. I'm, some, I'm like, I don't see this, and you, you're going to have to help me. But the Holy Spirit keep pricking me. So I stayed right here, and I started looking at Eli, the man of God who is a priest, a man of God who at one point in his life was in a place of wholeness with God. When we meet Eli, it's funny how the, the, the poetic language of the writer keeps highlighting how far Eli is out of the place that he's supposed to be. KJV, KJV when we meet Eli, KJV says he's just sitting up on a post. Not in his post, but on a post. And then he starts comparing how, watch this, the dimming of his eyesight equates to the dimming of his spiritual insight. So when, he, when Hannah approaches him, he can't see that this is a woman of God that's really pursuing and seeking after God. He thinks that she's just one of these sick, silly, drunk women that his, his son's full with. Not only is his eyesight dimming, but his spiritual hearing, God ain't even talking to him no more. And when he, watch this, when God is speaking to somebody else, he doesn't even perceive that God is talking to Samuel until the third time. One of the final parallels that I saw in the scripture is that the young prophet Samuel is sleeping, Pop, next to the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is symbolic to the very presence of God. This is where Eli should have been laying his head. But he's so out of pocket, so out of place. So let's look at what's going on in these boys' lives. The Bible declares in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 2, verse number 12. Everybody shall take your time, Pastor. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. The Bible declares, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest servants, the priest servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. 14 declares, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, 15 declares, before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, let, the, let, the burn, let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. 
Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Here's a commentary highlight of this particular passage. The fat was thought to be the most luxurious, best part of the animal, so they gave it to God. The idea was that God should always get the best and God should get his portion first. But in their pride, the sons of Eli took their portion before they burned the fat. The greed of Eli's son was so bad that they did not hesitate to use violence and threat of violence to get what they wanted. The greatness of the sin of Eli's son was clear because through their greed, violence, and intimidation, they made others not want to come and bring offerings to the Lord. It was bad enough that they themselves did what they themselves did, but the greatest sin of Eli's son was in how they hurt other people. So as the pastor, as the high priest, my boys are acting a fool. Let's see what Eli does. First Samuel 2.22, the Bible declares, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So he said, everybody shout, he said something. Say it again. Shout, shout again. He said something. The Bible declares that Eli said to them, he challenged them, why do you do such things I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours? No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? Now, I'm tripping right now because Eli is getting ready to be demoted. God is getting ready to send judgment upon him. And I'm tripping because you, you saying, you saying that, that Eli just sat down and just watched this. But according to the text, Jones, Eli pulled his boys to the side and he said something to them. So what's the real indictment? You'll see it in chapter number 3, verse number 13, when God speaks through the young prophet Samuel. The Bible declares, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. God says, my problem is you said something, but you ain't do nothing. You had the power to restrain these boys. You had the power to sit them down. You had the power to do something. And I'm challenging, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody in this place that there are things that you're talking about that you ought to be doing something about. So, so the question is, I, I read into the text that, that, that Eli my man must be a people pleaser because how I many know it's one thing to say, hey, my man, don't do that, man. Cut that out. Cut that. Hey, man, hey, stop, stop, stop. But it's a whole other ball game to say, look here, bro. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Either you're going to stop it or I'm going to stop you. Why didn't Eli do that? I believe, I believe, I'm going to show you in the text because at first I thought I was reading it into the text, but it's not. I wasn't. It's there. I believe it's one thing to say something, but if I physically insert myself into the situation, I could interrupt the harmony of this relationship. The problem is, while I'm maintaining this harmony, I've interrupted <laughs> this harmony. 
Eli was placating to his sons. He was being a people pleaser to his sons, not wanting to offend his son, although he knew that he was really offending God. Where do you, where do you get this from in the text? I'll, I'll show you. Samuel gave a word to him, but there was another unnamed prophet that came to visit him in 1 Samuel 2.29. And this was the question that God asked to the prophet. He says, why do you honor your sons more than me? In essence, why do you seek to please your boys over pleasing me? What about the, oh my God, what is it that you're getting out of this relationship that you seek to please them more than you are seeking to please? Now, 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 I got to be, God help me in this place. I, I got I to gotta be transparent because, because um, I'm navigating okay, but there was a point in my ministry and in my life that I was here as a people pleaser. People, and, and there's some things in particular that I'm going to share with you all today that got me out of this place of people pleasing because I was getting ready to be in a place of Eli in trouble with God. And I'm ministering today because some of y'all are in a place of Eli and getting ready to get in trouble with. With God. Now, as a pastor, yeah, I'll use that office. I'll use that office. As a pastor, hmm, it's easy to fall into that trap. If you're getting high off amens from people. <laughs> this, let me tell you, this is the problem. Shugart, this is the problem I got a, as a pastor. I ain't got a contract on none of y'all. I need a contract. So the next time you come to me and be like, well, pastor, the Lord is leading me. The devil is alive. You sign right here, player. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. All these bills we don't make, we made them with you in mind. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> That's my problem. I ain't got no contract. So people really can come when they want to and don't show up when they... <laughs> and you wonderful people, when you don't come, your money sometimes don't come either. <laughs> Y'all don't look at me crazy. We got bills to play. I need you and your money. <laughs> so there was a point in my ministry where I really had to come to face-to-face -face meeting with Greg and with God to say, it's going to be for the people, but it's going to be about you every single time. So despite what they feel, what they say, I got to maintain that what I do is about you. Watch this, because with all the folk in here, there's going to be some of you all that's going to love this message. Some of y'all going to be like, it's going all right. And then some of y'all going to be like, man, I heard this other preacher preach from First Samuel, man. He wrecked the house. I don't know what pastor was doing. I'm going to send pastor a video with him. <laughs> Everybody has a varying opinion, and if your stability, your place of wholeness is dependent upon the opinion of people, you're going to be a very unstable. So this is what God did in me, and I didn't know exactly why he was doing it. I was just obedient to what he challenged me to do, and this is what God challenged me to do. 
Um, in my study in undergrad of organizations, I had to look at what was the fundamental belief system of the organization, what things did they have in paper on place as the, as the, as the, rule, as the playbook of how we guide and govern ourselves. So I did a study on mission statements and core values of organization. And so God challenged me to come up with my own mission statement, life's mission statement and core values, because I'm the CEO of me. And you the CEO of you. You better believe Walmart has a vision statement, mission statement, and core values. Whatever your favorite shopping spot is, they have a mission statement. Mission statement keeps me on track. It says, this is who we are. This is what we're all about. Our core values are the set of values that we guide our decisions by. And if, if multi-billion dollar, multi dollar organization realize the importance of staying at the top depends upon us doing what, who we are and us abiding by the values of who we say we are, then how about you? So I, I, wanna, I just want to share my personal mission statement with you on today. Y'all can put that on the screen. Um, I guess I could just read it up there. My eyes haven't been too good here lately. <laughs> I really need glasses, but uh, Ray, I'm actually ashamed. I'm ashamed. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> when I find some cute ones, though, I'm going to wear my glasses. <laughs> Here's my personal mission statement. I add value to the lives of people through words that build as well as challenge through considerate actions that can be modeled and through a presence that is genuine and tangible. I add value, I add value. So there are certain requests that are asked of me that doesn't add value. Some of you guys are making emotional decisions when you should be making value-based decisions. So, so what I'm asked to do, is this actually going to add value? And in adding value, the things that you're going to say, do you have the liberty to both encourage and challenge? If I only have the liberty to encourage you but never challenge you, then I'm not. Some, somebody asked me to be, a, be their mentor um, some couple of weeks ago. And, and I wanted to know, are you actually giving me the right to correct, check, rebuke you? Because if you just want me to lift you up, then I'm the wrong guy. Through considerate actions that can be modeled, that's core for me. Because with the decisions that I'm making and the things that I'm doing, would it be okay for my son to follow in my footsteps to do the exact same things that I'm doing? Can this be modeled? Through a presence that is genuine and tangible, what that means to me and as, as I challenge all of my children, um, God also challenges me and my wife challenges me to remain present in the moment. If I'm in this room, I'm in this room. If I'm with you, I'm with you. If I'm with you, my, mind, I'm, my body is not here, my mind is over there. I am present in the moment so that I can comprehend, so that I can... This is, a, this is a, mission, a life's mission statements to me. My core values... And I have four. They say you should have five. Well, if it don't fit, I ain't forcing five. 
time with God, involving him in every aspect of my life, family, committed to protecting, providing, and loving, ministry, calling, faithfully executing every assignment, personal health, ensuring mental stability and physical care. So people come to me with requests. Pastor, I need you to do this. Greg, I need you to do that. What I have to do is filter it through my life's mission statement and my core values. Now, not every decision. I, I stopped. It, it was, it was um, my, my old high school band. They were doing a fundraiser um, the other day, and it was free car wash. And, and so I stopped, and I pulled over. Actually, I passed them, and I was like, oh, that's my band. So I turned around, and I gave a, I gave a donation. I didn't filter that through my, I mean, I just had $5 on me. <laughs> I don't want y'all to watch my car, though. <laughs> don't watch my car. But every major decision, what's a major decision? Anything that's going to take up my time, that's major. Anything that's going to financially take away from my house, that's, that's major. And so the question is, with what people are asking you to do, is it interfering with who you are? Is it interfering with your core values? It should, the reality is, it should be an e for those of you all who are having problems saying no, it actually should be an easy no if you know what your core values are. Now, for some of you all, this is going to be a homework assignment, and you're going to have to go home and draft up your own. Don't steal mine. Don't steal it. It sounds good, but it's mine. I prayed over it. It's mine. You're going, to go have, you're going to have to go home and draft up your own personal mission statement and your core values. My core values are uniquely detailed, watch this, to my passions as well as my struggles. That's why they're core. That's why I have to keep this on the forefront of my mind because I know what my passion is and I know what my struggles are as well. And if I, watch this, if I, if I focus on these four things right here, they'll keep me balanced and in a place of wholeness with God. So there are times when I am, um, I sadly have to disappoint people and I don't have a problem saying no. And I'm not the guy that don't want to help. I really want, I want to help any and everybody that I possibly can. But what you're asking me for right now is now interfering with my time with God. What you're asking me for right now is interfering with me being in a position to provide and protect my family. What you're asking me for right now is going to interfere with ministry excellence. Don't ask me to do nothing on a Saturday. Because I'm, I'm dotting I's and I'm crossing T's to make sure that I can, I can properly encourage the people of God. This is about mi ministry excellence is the core value to me. So if you are having problems saying no, you know what you really should have a problem saying no to? When your core values conflict. <laughs> and there are times when my core values, they actually conflict. Because there are times when I want to hang out and just be with my family, but I feel God calling me. And then there are times when I really want to be in the face of God and on my knees in his presence. But we're on vacation right now. My wife is looking at me crazy like, you finna do what? We finna go to the water park. You can't pray. If I had, if I had a conflict saying no. Does that make sense, y'all? So let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper. Okay. How many of y'all will be honest with your boy? 
and would say, in the past, I've had some type of issues with people pleasing. Man, y'all wonderful. Y'all are so wonderful. I just knew in my head, fun, I just knew they were going to be lying like, nah, this ain't. Okay? So if you've had problems in the past, there's a possibility that the enemy could possibly, Eli, use this in your presence to draw you out of this place of wholeness. Can I get a better witness than that? Right. So I got a couple of questions for my fellow people pleasers because we're all tempted with it. And even though I've grown to some level of maturity, although I have a value system whereby I, I kind of filter th things through, there are some requests that still pull at me. And there's a temptation even to violate my core values, although they're sound in my life. So there are a couple of questions I've had to ask myself, and I want to pose to you. This is what I want you to do. For those of you all who have raised your hand, you raised your hand, I want you to go back to the last situation where you found yourself in a people-pleasing situation, real talk, where you literally stepped outside of the wholeness place of God, stepped outside of the presence of God to pacify somebody else. You got yours? You got it. Pop said he got so many. That's why I love you, old man. He's so honest. The rest of y'all like, well, I guess I can think of one. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the question, if you got yours, or so many. Hmm. Um, fine, come, stand right there. Right there. You be the people that I'm pleasing. You can face me, face me. You be the people, I'm pleasing. And this right here is my place of wholeness. Now, when it comes to people pleasing, there is a temptation to step outside of my place of wholeness with God. Because how did we define spiritual wholeness? It is a place, a place of satisfaction with who God is, what he has in store for me, and his timing of execution of those things. I'm satisfied with his timing. I'm satisfied with what he got. I'm satisfied with who he is in my life. But there's a time when I am tempted to step out of this place of wholeness, to pacify, to please her that pulls me out of this place. Here's the question the next time you face with that temptation or over the present thing that you're thinking about, what emotional need was I trying to get met when I stepped outside? Because watch this. There are felt needs or psychological needs that we all have. We have a need to be loved. We have a need to be respected. We have a need to feel significant. We have a need to be accepted. We all have those felt needs. So when I was tempted, <laughs> sister girl, she used one, one illustration. She said that um, uh, she was going in Walmart and um, her, her, uh, th these Girl Scouts were out there and they said, would you like some Girl Scout cookies? And she said, oh, my niece sells that. I bought all of my Girl Scout cookies from my niece. And she said, the reality is her niece is 30. <laughs> now, it's true her niece was in the Girl Scouts. 
20-some years ago. <laughs> so watch this. In that moment, she steps out of a place of wholeness. What was it in those little girls that she was trying to feel her? I believe that it was the need to feel as a significant upstanding citizen because who says no to a little cute girl and thin mint cookies? Okay, peanut butter cookies. Lord Jesus. S'mores, whatever. Here's the question. Is it the need to be loved? Is it the need to be accepted? Is it the need to feel significance? What is it that's drawing you out of the... Because if you, can, if you can label it, then you can master it. The reason it's hard to master certain stuff is because you ain't got a name. What is your name? Legion, for we are many. It's not until I name it, then I can master it. And y'all trying to master stuff you ain't put a name on. That's why if you go to the doctor, don't be afraid to say, well, they diagnosed me with this. Put a name on it because I believe if it's got a name, it's got a knee. And if it's got a knee, it's got to bow in Jesus' mighty name. Okay. So y'all help me out. Help me out. How many of you all, whatever that thing was, it was a need to be accepted. I wanted to be accepted by them. That's why I told the lie, or that's why I placated to them. That's why I sought to please them. That's why I, I didn't do what I really wanted to do, and I just went along with it. And I, I wind up, watch this, violating who I am, violating what God has called me to do just to please them. For how, how many of you all, it was the need to be accepted? Accepted. You like Jeff, you're going to stand up on all of them. How many of you all, it was the need to, I said accept it right, the need to feel loved or cared for? Okay. Right? How many, how many of you all, it was the need to feel significant or respected? Okay. Thank you, sis. No, stay right there. You look so good. You look good. And we halfway matching. So here's the question. Are y'all okay? <laughs> this <is> therapy. <laughs> here's the question, Pop. So if the temptation is there, the temptation is always a counterfeit of a reality or a truth that God wants to minister. So if the temptation is to step out because I need to feel love, I need that, and those are real felt needs. Those are real needs. I'm not denying that. Here's the question. The need that you had to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel respected or significant, how did God want you to meet this need in your, this season? For some of us, the answer is for a season. Somebody shout a season. I wanted you to suffer for a season and not allow that need to be met. 
You just came out of a crazy relationship that I myself delivered you out of. And there is, a, because of the emotional need to feel love, there's a great temptation to go back easily into something that I brought you out of before a season you're going to have to, I want you to Number two, there are some of you all, God is saying, it's not that I want you to suffer. I've just reassigned who I want to use to meet that need. But you so bent on what you used to have that you won't open your eyes to what I'm bringing into your life right now. Go, 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 back up, back up, back up. That's why some of you all, God has taken people completely out the picture. Completely out the picture. Because for some of y'all, not all y'all, but for some of y'all, if you can see her, you'll be like. <laughs> God is tired of you chasing after stuff that I've taken out your life. For, for some of us, it's suffer for a season. For others of us, I am rerouting my God today. Who I am using to meet that particular need in your life. And if you will embrace who I bring into your life, you will find that what you was tempted to violate this for, you will be in a whole safe place and still get that need met. Number three, some of us is not suffer, for some of us is not rerouting to the next person. For some of us, there's a deep place that God says, I want to meet this need personally. The feeling of love that you need at this, at this level won't come by a man or woman. And I don't want you to suffer it anymore. I want you to get it in my presence. This feeling of acceptance in this season, I want you to feel my warm embrace. This feeling of significance when you wake up in the morning and you're like, man, I just feel like I can do anything. For this season, won't come through your spouse, children, mom, dad. This season, and I don't want you to suffer it this season. This season, I want you to get it from my presence. So the remedy of people pleasing is identifying what emotional or felt need that I'm trying to satisfy while I'm compromising with God. Number two, identifying how is it that God desires to meet this need in this particular season? Is it, is it sacrifice? Do I just, do I just go? You, you want me to go a season of just suffering, and I'm okay with that? Or is there somebody else that you're bringing in my life that's going to speak to the significance that I need, speak to the, the acceptance, speaks to the love? Or is this, a, is this something, God, you just want me to? Martha, Martha, you worried about everything in the world. And what's really needed in this particular season is for you to be seated next to your sister Mary and actually enjoying my presence. I just, 
I just wonder, don't, don't lift your hand, but just think, I just wonder how many of you all, that's like your real problem. Like right now. That you don't practice the presence of God. And let me tell you why it's so hard to practice, especially if you got a problem with people pleasing. Because to, 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 really, to, really, to really tap into the presence of God, you actually have to get to that place where you don't care. Let me go ahead and go there. That's why it's so hard for some of y'all to tap in. You fine with praise. Some of y'all be acting like y'all at the club. <laughs> some of y'all be dropping it up in here, boy. <laughs> I be in the back. Some of y'all, I have to do this. Let me just walk to the front. <laughs> I'm going to go on and walk to the front. Also, I've seen too much today. <laughs> But I'm your pastor, so I'll be watching some of y'all. When the lights go down low and the mood changes, and it's no longer that uplifted, upbeat, but now it's closeness, spiritual intimacy. Y'all be like, And Jamie said, just lift your hands all over the building. You'd be like. <laughs> You're going to tap in. Yeah. Like if you really going to tap in, you actually have to close everybody else out. Yeah. Because the moment of worship is about him. And if you, ooh, if you could get to that place, so, some, some of you guys, Tim, just real soft, so, some of you guys in this season of your life, um, you have become emotional leeches. And some of y'all are draining your family members dry trying to get something out of them that only the presence of God can provide. Amen. God is saying, stop killing them and come to me. I'm the only, God said, I'm the only one with an unlimited supply. God says, I can pour into you all day, never get tired, and never run dry. But my wife is limited. My babies are limited. The church is limited. Y'all are limited. I, I promise y'all, when I'm done with this message, y'all can't give me enough. Pastor, you did that. I'd be like, keep on, keep on, keep on. Pastor, you preach. Pastor, you bless me. Come on. Somebody text somebody last week and say, he preached his face off. Now, that blessed me. I was like, <laughs> The problem is you can't give me enough of them. At some point, I have to take it. I have to go and I, I, have to, I have to go into this place with God and say, God, was it enough for you? I'm, I'm going to be honest. Only my wife really knows it and my close circle of friends for years, for years. I never slept Sunday night. 
never slept Sunday night. And my wife, she she used to complain all the time. You just gonna you just gonna stay up all night or watch TV. <laughs> I can never I could never go to sleep. Cause I was always wondering, God, was was that enough? Did it bless them? Did it touch them? Did it encourage them? So and, and finally I had to get a place with my walk with God to just simply say, God, was it enough for you? Was it enough for you? Because I promise you, I don't care what you do, somebody's going to always have an opinion. Somebody's going to always have an And everybody's opinion, everybody's critique ain't necessarily bad, but everybody has one. On your best performance, on your best day, somebody can find something wrong you did. Sunday nights now, I sleep like a champ. <laughs> I sleep like a champ. My wife, she's so crazy and she's so wrong. I was, I was so tired the other day. I fell asleep with, with my phone. And I fell asleep in my full clothes on the couch. She says she tried to wake me up. At one thir- I had my phone in, the, in the, uh, my hand. At 1.30 in the morning, I dialed chat. And chat said, hello, hello, hello. And I heard Chad's voice, and I woke up, I said, Chad, everything okay? Everything okay? <laughs> he said, you call me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Chad, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And so I, I checked to make sure I didn't call nobody else. And when I went back to sleep, all I could think about, because first of all, you, you know, imagine if your pastor called you at 1.30 in the morning. I mean, real talk. Something wrong. Lady McGee, what? Greg, what? You understand? So I just felt what I, I, I put that pressure on him. And so all I could think about was, man, I'm sorry. So I'm laying there. <laughs> and I just hollered out. I said, chat, I'm sorry, man. I, man, I apologize. <laughs> and my wife, she said, what you sorry for? I was talking in my sleep, but I ain't, ca- I ain't catching it until she said something. <laughs> so she, <laughs> I ain't catching. If you wouldn't have said nothing, you would have, you would have, hey. I said, don't do that. You might find out something you don't want to find out. Be like, what? No. <laughs> she said, what you sorry for? I said, girl, leave me alone. I'm just sleeping. <laughs> Sunday nights, I, I go to bed now. I go to bed. I go to bed. I go to bed. Let me tell you why I go to bed. It's not that I'm special. It's not that I'm so anointed. Not. Not that I'm so revelated. Not. I just learned how to get to the place where not to care for. Again, I'm not taking it to the extreme. I'm telling you, I do care what my wife says. I care. My pop, his opinion does matter. It gets, it gets perverted when their opinions matter more than what God is telling me to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. But I do have significant people in my life that God put them in my life because their thoughts do matter, right? But in this place where I got to go to get the deep feeling because my wife can only love me so much. She can only, her words of affirmation can only touch so much. When God says, you are my beloved son and who I am well pleased, When God says that, when God says, I love you so much, 
that I gave you my best. When he makes it personal to you, and the way you get it personal is that you tap into his presence. The way you get in his presence that you literally got to block everybody else. Not about my wife. It's not about my kids. It's not about my reputation. It's about nothing. I don't care who. I don't care who sees me with my hands in the air. I'm not too cool to lift my hands. I'm just not. Who said? Are oh, you crying today? Yes, I'm crying today, and we'll cry tomorrow in the presence of God. Yes, I will. Real man, don't cry. Watch this. A man that's in love with God will shed some tears. <laughs> 